This episode of See Here is brought to you by Episode 13 of the See Here podcast. My name is Morris, and on the other side of a Skype connection, we have from Bath, Mr. Bernard Stickwell. Good evening. No, good night to you, Bernard. Uh, it is almost good night, yeah, so I should yes. be going to bed when this is all done. It's good night from him, and it's good night from me. Good night. Wow. And How many people are going to get that, Morris? Yeah, oh, well, any, anyone in the comments. You, you and I. Anyone in the comments. Hang on. Wendy, don't talk. You yes. haven't been introduced yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a local joke. I'll explain that later. In Seoul, South Korea, Mr. Tim Merrill. Good morning to you, Tim. Morning. How are you? Uh, look, all the better for hearing your dulcet tones. And in Chicago, the over-anxious, but absolutely wonderful and lovely... The pounding princess, the drummer who makes J.K. Simmons look like a nice guy, Ms. Wendy Freeman. Hello, hey, Wendy. Friend. Yes. Well, we're all back. We're all reunited. This is so exciting. Uh, this right. is ep- this is episode thirteen of See Here. If you've not heard us before, we discuss music-related films. Why? A, because no one else is doing it, and B, because we love them. Anyway, what we're going to be doing on this episode of the show, it's it's one year since we started this, and we started the show last year talking about the um, the, the Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies documentary, and we're going for another film that's similarly as serious. It's called Air Guitar Nation. No, no, I, I, I joke. We are talking about Air Guitar Nation, but this is as far away from uh, the Gigi Allen and the Murder, Murder Junkies. Gigi Allen and the Murder Start again. Mr. Tongue and Mr. Lips can't get their act together. G.G. Allen and the Murder Junkies Ooh. documentary. Hated. Far, hated. Thank you. This is as far away from it as you can possibly get. This um, this is a, a, a nice light bit of froth. Air Guitar Nation. We'll get into that uh, fairly shortly. But um, just very briefly going around the table... How are all you uh, wonderful people? Uh, we've all been on we've all been on break and stuff like that. Bernie and Wendy, you're in the northern hemisphere and is probably freezing your behinds off. How are you doing in general? Okay, uh, yeah, pretty good. It's uh, it's cold. It's not uh, it's not snowing out, but it's almost snowing. Yeah, it's all good. You know, I'm drinking a beer. Um, I went to a record fair today, bought some records. Oh, what'd you get? I'm here, but as the video link is turned off, I got the first Noi LP. So oh, went to yeah, bed a bit. I, like I think that. you're turned on. There we go. I got uh, the first Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers LP. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I got the Wailing Ultimate, which is a uh, compilation of homestead bands from the 80s. Big oh, yeah, Black, I remember that. Squirrel, Squirrel Bait. Squirrel Bait, Naked Ray Gun. Yeah. All that yeah. kind of good stuff. I used to have that years ago. Ray Gun from yeah, my it's a good one. Well, well, that's, yeah, you know, actually, be. believe it or not, yeah. going back, G.G. Allen was put out on homestead, too. Oh, was he really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I mean, there was a. Uh, uh, no, it was just him before his band, but it was yeah, because I had that uh, that uh, it was a Homestead compilation that came out after that one. Okay. That had, yeah. Uh, it's like writing real songs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also got uh, "Taboo" by Arthur Lyman, classic Exotica LP. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I got a uh, a compilation of uh, eighteen. Gaujin instrumentals, fifty-eight to sixty-five, called Concussion, which is oh, a bunch nice. of uh, great kind of things, you know. So that sort of uh, thing. So uh, yeah, safaris, all that stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, adventures, that kind of twangy, guitar-y, sort of R and B, rock and rolly kind of stuff, you know. So uh, yeah, pretty good, pretty cool. good. So I've I've been having a good day so far, and hopefully it's going to continue right now. So. It will. Vendela, Vendela, Vendela. Tell me, how are you, sweetheart? Oh my gosh, so I have an acting audition. Oh, what? Is this why you yeah, did no, the headshot? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I got called up. Uh, someone recommended me to a casting director where they're doing a play where the, one of the lead characters is a female drummer, and they need someone who can play drums as well as they can act, which uh, that would not be me because I can't. I've never acted in anything. <laughs> so I had to. They actually, like, my audition is on Monday, but they actually set me up with a meeting with an acting coach yesterday, which I think, I think sounds promising. I think it sounds nice, like, when they're doing that for me you know so yeah my character would essentially be like um a washed up like a uh, seattle uh, punk rock uh, drummer who is in a band with her sister mm-hmm. so you know i think i could pull that off well, it's not a million so- miles from the truth is it i think so <laughs> <laughs> I punk, yes <laughs> yay so how much how much of the play would you have dialogue is it just like more I, drumming so, and less acting, or was it was it like a good mix? Would you be like a strong part mix. of the play? Yeah, like it's it's a good mix. So so and it's at some you know at certain points I'm sort of like you know yelling at people while I'm drumming and that type of thing. So I could do that too. So you just invoke your inner Buddy Rich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and invoke my J.K. Simmons. Yeah, indeed. Ooh. Oh my God, that film is gonna—they're gonna get you to watch it again, you know. And you said you couldn't bring yourself to watch it a second time. I can't. I, I loved it. I loved it the once, but uh, it's so funny because I, I I take that movie so personally. <laughs> I I read a criticism. I mean, like this Facebook the last few days has just been full of people who've been saying, "Just seen it. Just seen it. Just seen it." Absolutely mm-hmm. loving it. But there was one guy who put up a post saying. I'm not interested in seeing this. My mate who's a drum instructor saw it and took offense because he said that drum teachers are not like that or, or music instructors are not like that. I'm well, thinking, of course they're not. It's an individual idiot. story. It's one right. person's story. It's not a damning indictment of the entire music <laughs> teaching fraternity. It's just this one misguided guy's story, for Christ's sake. <laughs> And it, regardless of music teachers or whatever, we've all had one boss, one teacher, one somebody mm. who pushed us until we fucking cried. You know, yeah, like yeah, you've yeah. all had one ball buster in our lives, you know? So it's, it's take it for what you will. It's a story of determination. Lucky if you only have one. Yeah, exactly. I'm, exactly. Yeah. This will be a see here film before too long. I was just waiting for him to carve a swastika in that kid's ass. Oh. <laughs> And then the kid would poop on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turning into the trashy trio. <laughs> do you, do you saw now Oz? we go to Japan. No, Oz. No, Oz. Have you seen Oh, have you God, seen of course. Oz? Yeah, of course. I haven't seen right. it for years, but yeah, of course. No. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was waiting for him to carve a swastika into his ass, you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense now. All right. <laughs> It wasn't Sorry. just like we normally talk about carving swastikas into asses, because that's that's like a regular part of see here discussion. Please, we don't normally like this. You know, we're we're really good family related. Uh, well, podcast. we'll be talking about a fun a fun family related movie. So we we yeah. will be we will be yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. So so Tim, anything else uh, on on your perspective? Well, I've been I've been listening to uh, I think Bernie. I think you might have heard them Bernie already, but uh, have you guys? Uh, checked out goat yet uh i'm aware of them uh yeah i don't think i've heard like maybe one or two tracks but uh they're, they're a bit they're, they're good. a band from, they're a band from sweden and they're like almost like a like a psychedelic afro funk uh you, i did look at one of the links that you sent that's it was like a few weeks ago yeah i think i did world yeah, music yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and good. uh I, I've been really digging their their well the first album they put out World Music last year and then they put out a new one uh, co- uh Commune the new one and uh man fantastic stuff it's like you know it's almost like Sun Sunra doing mushroom with Fela's uh Africa 70 band you know like it's it's just that kind of bizarre like you know trippy resonant uh I don't know, like it's almost half of it's almost like like can meets Afrofunk, you know, and it's really, really, really good. Like, I mean, I've been digging them a lot, and they're uh, they're funny because live they all wear masks, and it's like you know they're not really concerned with being rock stars at all. They're just more concerned with focusing on the music. And there's kind of a movement that's been going around for a while now. There's another band out of Portland, Oregon. They're called the Master Musicians of Bukaki, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're really cool too because they do the Middle Eastern trippy thing as well, but they're all disguised as well, and everybody thinks it's a shtick, but it's not because it's like they're more concerned with you know 
the performance and the music as opposed to being, you know, identity is on stage, right? You know, you could argue that that is there, like the residents, right? Or right. Say, man, Olivia Tremor Control, they did it too. You yeah. know, you could argue that that is itself identity. Right. True. That's the thing. When you try to when you try to be a non uh, non entity, you're actually becoming an entity. Yeah. We used to have a band here in Melbourne called This Is Serious Mum, or otherwise known by their acronym uh, TISM. And they all went around with, uh, like, masks and, and, and bed sheets on their head. But they were definitely doing that as their shtick so they could uh, sing politically incorrect songs and get away with it because it was rumoured that during the day they were all lawyers and barristers mm. and TV personalities and they could never get away with it if it was known that, you know, that these respectable daytime guys were being very naughty boys at night. Right. So uh, I think they definitely did it as, as shtick. Into, uh, in, the case, in the case of the residents, what I think that they were actually doing, you know, as opposed to just it being an identity with the eyeballs, I think that there was a rotating number of uh, studio guys and musicians in the residence, and it was just uh, two guys specifically that were the core of the residence, and then the other four guys and uh, the, the background people were just all rotating musicians, so I think that's why they decided to wear masks or kind of, you know, take so that really, anonymous like, persona. Really, it was Steely Dan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really Steely Dan. It was another band. And since we actually, like, I don't know what Steely Dan looks like anyway. I don't know what any of their backing musicians look like. You know, it could have been them. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> They're also non-entities. We just produce yeah. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think uh, Goat and uh, Master Musicians of Bukaki, they've um, they're channeling that Sun City Girls thing as well, because right, absolutely, yeah, they're yeah. doing that kind of uh, faceless non-identity uh, right. kind of ethno pillaging, but uh, right. well, is it but is I it mean, pillaging or is it? I don't know, but um, I like I like that there's yeah. there's bands out now that are putting out those like they're almost putting out like, those whole album side songs, you know. Like I like that now that there's 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 those bands they're coming back to what they did in the seventies where you know you had those seventeen minute songs that can just trip you, you know you just throw the headphones on and you're gone, mm. you know, like Acid Mothers and you know Master Music yeah, and Go, yeah. you know, like I love I love yeah. that kind of thing. No, I was going to say, aside from that, the only thing I did uh, last night was I actually sat down and I watched uh, Akira Kurosawa's uh, Stray Dog for the first time. Oh, nice. What would you think? It was amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was probably one of the best uh, the best noirs I've ever seen. And I think now, like, it's amazing how Kurosawa was influenced by Ford, but then actually and everybody got influenced by Kurosawa. I went back and forth between the East and the West, you know, like in the in terms of influence. And I think that with Stray Dog, it was the total same thing. Where I think Kurosawa was completely influenced by the noir from America. And then, in fact, his film Stray Dog actually winds up influencing a whole another generation after that. So I think it, I think it's kind of interesting with him how things go back and, like I say, bounce back and forth in terms of influence. I've got my own little story about my viewing of uh, Stray Dog or my first viewing of Stray Dog, which was I'd gotten a um, a copy from a local flea market, which may or may not have been Criterion Edition, but it wasn't, and um, it had not not exactly. Um, uh, it, it was more like Pigeon English subtitles. So uh, basically, after the first, it took me about fifteen minutes to sort of get the handle on. Okay, I, I see what you're actually saying. I get the gist of what you're saying, but it's very frustrating rather than reading a correct set of subtitles. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you get you get inadvertently some gems. So there's um, one bit where the detective who is um, he, he's you know, doing his investigation to try and find the gun that's been stolen from him off the bus. He uh, walks into this place. He's looking for this guy, and he asks, um, I, want to find, I want to find this character. And they say, oh, um, in the Pigeon English version, they say, uh, oh, yes, he's a rather sexy man. And they say, oh, please lead me on to this erotic man. And then when I saw the Criterion edition, it said, oh, yes, please show me the way to this ladies' man. And I just... <laughs> so sometimes nice. the Pigeon English version isn't too bad a thing. Right. So, um, all right, so... Just briefly, my thing, I went uh, yesterday. It's not often I go to a film during the daytime. Hardly ever. And there's sort of a, a completely different vibe. But it just thought, you know, we had the afternoon available. So um, we left Amelia with friends. And Joe, Max, and I went out to see uh, Birdman. 
Oh, and, nice. And, oh. Um, which is only started here. Oh, oh you <laughs> shit stirrers. Give it a rest. <laughs> However, I, I will say I came out sort of, I'm, I'm undecided. I, I was having this discussion with Max saying, tell me, do you think that this is an exercise in style over substance? And because he's primarily more into visuals. I mean, that's what, you know, he loves Lynch and, and uh, I'm probably going to be hanged for saying this, but, you know, like his favourite film, or just about favourite film of all time is A Race Ahead, and I can't stand it because I just... Yeah, Blue Velvet was my favourite film from the time I was 15 to the time I was 30. Yep, and so, what happened? So, I, I don't know. I think I finally had to admit that there are just other things I liked better, perhaps. Yeah, but, you, but you still <laughs> like Blue Velvet, right? Oh, absolutely! It's yeah, still well, top. No, look, I mean, I, I love, I love other Lynch, but but uh, Eraserhead looks to me like you know a um, a very earnest student film, you know, with something deep right. and meaningful to say. And you know, okay, our, both our listeners are probably going to sort of write into us and say, you know, what the fuck does this guy have a right to be having a film discussion podcast anyway if he doesn't know the genius of Eraserhead? But right. uh, <laughs> so so that's why. Anyway, look, look in the we'll end, I, I definitely say when we discuss uh, Angel. If we're if we're doing that as an episode, right? Okay, that- the the music of uh, the music of Battlementi. Yep, absolutely. Like he's um yeah. Okay, so he adds he adds plenty to the Lynch film. Have you seen Have you seen Birdman, Wendy? I have it on my hard drive. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I confess I haven't got to it yet. But but it's funny. Okay. Yeah, like some some people I really respect have told me that like oh it goes on a little long and like it is you know a little you know it beats you with the same sort of points. But I mean I just want to root for Michael Keaton. I just want Michael no, Keaton. I love to Keaton. Do it. I love I'll, Keaton. I'll tell you that. Look, you know what? I've I've never sort of given him much credit as a great actor but everything that i'd seen him in i really really enjoyed so well when i say everything like i've probably i've seen him in night shift and he was brilliant and um one of my favorite films is mr mom uh, it's johnny d i forgot forgot about mr mom no uh okay forget (laughs) that no the dream team um i love the dream team and like you know he's he's playing the uh, it's not check cashing but he's he goes through that like as a Right, a typical '80s sort of uh, tough guy, bad attitude with a heart of gold sort of thing, and it's and no, he was, uh, no great acting what, chops. He was one of the best parts of uh, Jackie Brown for me. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah Jackie yeah. Brown. He, he was he was great in that, but in Birdman, he just pulls something out of the box. The, look, the acting performances are for me absolutely fantastic in this film, and but no. you know, the, but like after the first five minutes, you think, all right. I know what, okay, their shtick is that they're going to be using, the whole film is uh, the illusion of one long tracking shot, apart from like right. a, a two-minute sequence briefly, not yeah. at the very end, but like a little bit before the end, there's like where they have some cutaways, but pretty much the whole film gives the illusion of one long tracking shot. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I want to put something out there to you guys. Mm. Have you ever had a dream that you could fly? Have yes. you ever had a dream that you've been out in public in your underpants? Have you ever had a dream that somebody killed you? Or, you know, you died in a dream? Yes, no, no. Yes, no, I could fly no to the underpants no, and been killed. No, yes, no. <laughs> the no, underpants went yes, but, but the other two... My, do, you, do, you get, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. Here? Yeah, yeah. I've oh, got to say, I, think, I agree with... Um, I agree with Morris. I thought the uh, the performances were amazing, and Keaton oh, yeah. doesn't win the Oscar. I'd be very surprised. But I just I found that the whole film to be just far too cocky and full of itself. And look how clever I am! Look how technically perfect I am! Um, right. It was just I don't know. It just left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. No, look, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it left a sour taste. I wouldn't say it left a sour taste in my mouth because I found the story enjoyable. But I think that it lacked a bit of heart. I mean, I mean yeah, you were trying. It, it was yeah, trying to be. Exactly. It was trying to be clever. It's an exercise in. I wouldn't say it was wankery or anything like that because I, I can admire. I mean, look, I've seen films which tried far too hard to to show uh, how impressive it was. And yeah, okay, so this was an exercise in style, but at least it was an interesting exercise in style. And the story about someone at the tail end of his career wondering what you know, do I return to what I did before because he's got the monkey on his back. And I thought the the poster is brilliant, you know, with the Birdman character on his shoulder. It is the monkey on the back. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't. Uh, I, 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 I no, thought it was I, I it was a, it was a great tale to tell. It's just that's yeah, the it, thing. I, I 
I don't think it is an exercise in style. It, it does have some depth, but it's just the, the way that, you know, as a technical piece of filmmaking, mm. it's just, it's crying out, you know, look how amazing I am. Give me Oscars. I'm brilliant. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm just contrary. You know me. I'm always uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm always knocking the stuff that people seem to like. So uh, yeah. I don't know. If you all hated it, I'd probably think it was the best film ever. So I'm yeah. that shallow, I'm afraid. Can I say, I, I'm sure this is a whole other rant to go on, but like, um, you know, like everybody's been upset. The Oscars are too white this year. Oh, it's too many white people. Oh, it's horrible. White people are awful, whatever. But it's not so much that it's it's too many white performers, too many white movies, it's, it's too many these boring biopics and too many of these, like, very obvious, you know, like, I could give two fucks about a whole movie about Alan Turing, or, you know, like, I don't want well, especially I not. I saw that, actually, I saw Imitation Game and it was, it was okay, but again, it was worthy, you know, it was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and we've also, uh, my wife and I, we get free tickets to our local cinema every week, our little art house cinema, because mm-hmm. we do some cross promotion with them um, at one of my jobs, so we get two free tickets. Uh, and the theory of everything has been on for like the last three weeks. Um, and even you know, there's, there's if there's nothing else on, we still haven't bothered going to see the theory of everything. Yeah, it's like I yeah, I don't fucking I don't care. It. Yeah, it's so, so boring. Like, and I think that every and like Selma, like okay, I'm familiar with Martin Luther King. I know it's important. Blah blah. blah. But you couldn't drag me to see that. Oh, oh God! Or my no 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 my hate movie this year. The movie I refuse to see, but I'm just gonna rail on it. Reese Witherspoon goes hiking. Oh, oh the fuck that movie is. Here's, that fuck movie. Here's the thing. Yesterday we saw we saw the uh, trailer for that again. Like I think I've seen it about three or four times over the last three months, and I thought. Fuck! I thought we'd avoided that. Is that film still <laughs> yet to come? And and, it's like, you know, oh, jo- and Joanne is whisper- Joanne's whispering to me. Oh, remind me! I want to go see that film. Oh no! She's like, All right, I'll go. I'll go with one of my friends. Brave! Isn't it so brave? Well, the uh, hiking. Why couldn't they have? Uh, why couldn't they have combined that with that film? You know, uh, who was it that did it a couple years ago? Where he got his uh, he got his arm stuck in the rock James and he had Franco. to cut. Uh, James yeah, James Franco. Well, they should have done it with Reese Witherspoon, you know, where she goes hiking and then she gets her arm stuck in the rock and then she has to saw off one of her arms, right? <laughs> yes. I, 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 I'd pay to see that. I'd pay to I see would that. like a mashup, a mashup of that and Into the Wild where, you know, Reese Witherspoon has to, haw, you know, gnaw her arm off and then dies of some stupid reason anyway. Yeah, she eats some <laughs> stupid berries, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I would like to see a mashup of uh, this and uh, Mad Max Fury Road and she can just, you know, explode in the first three seconds of the film. <laughs> for me. <laughs> we have to see the greatest Reese Witherspoon movie ever. Yeah, oh man, yeah, yeah. To be fair to Reese Witherspoon, she actually is in one of my favorite films of all time. Freeway. Have you seen that? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I just watched that recently. <laughs> that's a blast, man. Like that film is a cold, total blast. Like, like that's that that's one of my favorites, you know. Like one of the best performances she ever did, and one of the best performances that uh Kiefer you- Sutherland ever did. Yeah, yeah. Alright. We're gonna have a quick break and when we come back, we're going to discuss everyone's favorite instrument, the air guitar, and more specifically, a documentary about a competition related to Air Guitar. It's called Air Guitar Nation. So uh, we'll have a quick break and we'll be back shortly. You're listening to See Here Podcast. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Rich thought something big was coming up. This is Terry Frost, and I want to tell you about my new podcast, The Martian Drive-In. In the podcast, me and a guest will look at obscure but interesting speculative fiction movies. The ones that don't get enough love. The obscure movies that you catch late at night you can't remember the name of, but you really like them. You can go to marsdrivein.blogspot.com or subscribe to the Paleo Cinema feed in iTunes. The Martian Drive-In Podcast. Watching the skies since 2012. Air guitar is a lot like jumping off a cliff. If you stop and think about it, you're kind of wasted, really. You just do it. It's totally about freedom. And you don't have to be a rock star to be a rock star. It's just about listening to it and just going... I would say at its height, it's, it's performance art. It's judged like figure skating. 
and it's probably less absurd to watch than figure skating if you think about it. I get a call, and that's my mother. You're on CNN. I've been hoping to reclaim my title as the true East Coast air guitar winner. Two words come to mind, sore loser. He's got nothing on the inside. He's like, he's like Elmo. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to hurt him. But if he goes against me again, he may get hurt. The World Air Guitar Championships in Finland. There were people from all over the world. There were national champions from New Zealand, from all over Europe. There were media from all over the world. The most surprising thing was there was nobody from the United States. There's never been a US representative at this contest. I have one motto, and that's keep it real. You're there to play the guitar. That's what I'm going to do. from break thank you for joining us on see here episode 13 the music film discussion podcast uh, i'm sure the previous half an hour wasn't terribly indicative of that but from here on in we're discussing music film i'll tell you what and uh so there's myself and uh young tim and young bernie and young wendy and old myself and uh, we're going to be talking about a little film released in 2006 by the director alexander lipsitz uh, it's called Air Guitar Nation. My first official question, before we go into talking about the film, I want to ask you guys, this is the big question, what are your air instruments of choice? Going around the table, Bernie. I know that uh, you and Wendy are drummers, and I actually used to play drums when I was younger. I was in several bands. That's right, yes. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd have to say air drums, I'm afraid, because uh, I'm just useless at anything else. Mm. So I'm I'm sorry because you'll probably both of you guys are going to choose the same one, but I'd have to be an, an air drummer, I'm afraid. I'll reveal that in a moment. Tim, you an air musician? Um, well, initially I I I think it you know air guitar makes about as much sense as interpretive air fucking. <laughs> There's a proposition for that too. You know, it's just uh. <laughs> no, seriously. But, Is that well, here's a sport? Here's a question. Okay. Here's a question to you, though. If you're gonna, if you are going to jam air guitar, what is your jam? Oh, oh anytime I'm gonna confess, anytime I am ever out in public and I hear a Rush song, I I drum on my legs. I air drum. I do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tom Sawyer, Spirit of Radio. If I'm out somewhere and I hear that, that's it. It's it's on. Okay. Uh, well, I'll come to my main air instrument of choice in a moment. Um, which will be a little bit of a surprise, but if I do a bit of it's air, the air guitar, oboe, isn't it, Morris? You, you, you're nearly right. You're nearly right. It's from the same family of instruments. Um, the air bassoon. Oh, uh, just, just, just stop. listen. Sorry, don't go, go stealing my thunder. I'm, I'm really Sorry, you're, you're, you're hitting too close to home. Um, now, if if I'm doing air guitar, I tend to sort of be more of a rhythm air guitar player. Not for me the lead stuff. I don't like that. Whereas you know the the more I, I guess because it's more percussive. You know, doing the whole rhythm sort of thing. And like if I hear something like Joe Jackson's "I'm the Man," uh, mm -hmm. I, I tend to you know the, the harder sort of up and down rhythm playing that that's that's my jam so yeah i i'm the man or or anything with a a, a hard sort of rhythmic element to it i guess um mm. yeah um, hard and rhythmic if i was going to wish i hadn't said that now i wish you hadn't said it like that bernie <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i really shouldn't drink and record i do it's apologize the, it's it's yeah. the it's the it's the british it's the benny hill in you isn't it it, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just it's, it's a genetic thing. We yeah. just you know we can't escape it. I'm afraid. Right, right. If I was going to play air guitar, and if I say if I was going to play air guitar, I think it would be either be three a combination of three. It would either be uh, Cowboy Song, Thin Lizzy, mm. uh, Super Stupid by Funkadelic. Oh yeah, and yeah. and uh, Search and Destroy, Stooges. Mm. Those would be my three. My uh, my air guitar song would be uh, "Get It Up and Get It On" by Harvey Milk. Don't know oh, if you're you uh, 
familiar with them, but that song in particular, yeah. it's like uh, ZZ Top jamming with the Melvins or something. Just absolutely amazing. Right. right. So my ear instrument of choice is keyboards, actually. I don't know why, <laughs> but for years I was a big, well, I still am, I guess, but I used to be a, like a really huge Rick Wakeman fan. And I just imagine that I was, you know, like as a kid, I was wearing the cape and I was surrounded by a bank of, <laughs> of keyboards. Um, I mean, we all know Neil Peart is like a kind of 360 degree drum kit, but, but, you know, Rick Wakeman, he had the complete surround sound thing. And I just imagine like I had my right hand in front of me, my left hand behind me and it was just playing something incredible from like, you know, Six Wives of Henry VIII or Journey to the Center of the Earth. And I, I just, yeah, I, I really dug that shit. So, I mean, look, yeah, okay, I do the air drumming as well, but really it was more the air keyboard thing. I play drums anyway, so I might as well do the air right. for something I don't play. And yeah, Rick Wakeman uh, and the air keyboard thing was, was definitely where I was at. Morris, can I ask you, did you spend a lot of time alone in your room when you were younger? Why, yes, how do you know? <laughs> Air keyboards is, I, I don't know, it's kind of a giveaway, I think. Oh, oh my God. I'm, I'm calling my shrink I'm sorry. <laughs> you motherfucker. Um, um, I'm sorry. No, no, you're not. No, I'm not. No, I, I didn't think so. Uh, all right, so we've now established our air instruments of choice. One other thing that I, I, I'm presuming that'll come up later on in the show because of a specific instance in the film, but it occurred to me, which it probably should have earlier, is that the air guitar is what I guess makes that sort of more like the choice of instrument to uh, pretend that you know how to play is the Freudian phallic connection. I mean, when you play air keys or air drums, you're not pretending that you're playing with your willy like you do with air guitar. But there's, I mean, look, I've already alluded to it. There's a moment in the film where there is a guy who is literally playing with his willy. Oh, goodness, yeah. Yeah, there is. I was, I was, that was like, (laughs) what? Yeah. But we'll, 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 um, we'll get round to that. But, you know, shortly. I was, I was going to say the one, the one thing that really sticks out for me. (laughs) Sticks out. (laughs) uh, That really, uh, about the whole air guitar phenomena is it's like, you know, you should know how to hold a guitar. Even if you're playing air guitar. You should know how to hold a guitar. And I mean, you know, this film wasn't called Ukulele Nation because it looks, <laughs> it, it looks like half these guys look like they're playing fucking ukuleles. Either that or they're like they're filleting a chicken, you know? It's just like, you know? All right. Well, they could call it a loot nation. Loot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Mandolin nation. <laughs> <laughs> and some of those guys were playing, were playing mandolin. With with the the backboard like a long way from their chest, you know, it's, it's, it's oh, exactly. Mm. Oh, you know, oh, so all right. Look, let's let's do a quick synopsis of the film. And I don't know about you guys, but really, because this film is it's fun, but it's so slight. I'm okay with spoilers. I don't know what what about you guys? No, it's yeah. fine. Right, There's no okay. spoilers to it. I yeah, mean, well. it's, it's like seven or eight years old now as well. So yeah, I don't think necessarily have seen it. But look, okay, so the film basically follows the fortunes of two Americans, uh, both from New York City. Uh, one of them is a guy called Dan Crane, who goes by the uh, the name of Bjorn Turok. And right. uh, another guy called uh, David Jung or David Young. I'm not quite sure how how it's pronounced. David Jung, yeah. David Jung, uh, also known as C. Diddy. And now Bjorn uh, was, I think, a, a computer programmer and, as it turns out, a real guitar player. Uh, and he mm-hmm. composed the song and sings on the song and plays guitar on the song at During the, end credits, the closing yeah. credits. Yeah. And C. Diddy was an actor and comedian, and they both take part in the American East Coast qualifying heats of the very first American Air Guitar Championships in 2003. So there were these guys who basically sort of caught on to the fact that they'd been holding for a number of years Air Guitar Championships in Finland and America had never been invited. And they basically sort of thought, well, you know, hang on. Americans invented rock and roll. Americans invented air guitar. We are going to go into that competition and bring Team America, fuck yeah, into the um, world arena of air guitar greatness. So it basically, I mean, we get to see other air guitarists from the East Coast and the West Coast and from around the world when they finally get to Finland. But 
of course, because the film is really more following the closely, uh, uh, closely the uh, fortunes of C. Diddy and Bjorn Tarok, we know that really that the competition is going to end up being about the two of them. Right. So uh, we'll reveal a little bit later on who actually wins because you really can't sort of talk about this without spoiling that. And we'll, I, as we get closer, if you don't want to know, we'll reveal it close. And you just sort of I wanted to say one thing. Just as it's sticking out in my mind, I, I wanted to ask you guys, when when C. Diddy was on stage performing, some of the faces that he was making, all I'll, all I'll say is this. Did you guys see, uh, you know who Victor Wong is? No. Nope. You know, the guy, Big Trouble in Little China? Oh, oh yes, yes, of course. It's in everything, yes. Yeah, you know, and he, he was in uh, the Carpenter's... Uh, Prince of uh, Darkness. Prince of Darkness, right? Well, oh, they, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. He, he totally looks like Victor Wong. He's got that face yes. when, he's, when he's on stage playing. He's got that total... I'm looking going, holy shit, that's Victor Wong playing air guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so look, there, there are several ways that we can approach the story being told here. Before we discuss the, the, whether the film works as a film, let's discuss how the uh, the director approached the subject matter. So, okay, if you didn't know that it wasn't a mockumentary, you might sort of think, all right, this is like Spinal Tap, right? But it's, um, it's you know, they, they try to make this, you know, as, like a, as, a, as a documentary, but they don't do it as a film that's poking fun at these people whose aspiration is uh, right, to be nice. the best. They're of what they, do. They, they, they take it seriously. Now, I'm, I'm in two minds about this because I sort of think, well, you know, I don't want to fall into the sort of emperor's new clothes type of thing where I'm saying, yeah, these guys followed their dreams, which is pretty much what everyone else in the film is sort of doing. They're being very, very serious about it. And yet I'm sort of glad that they didn't sort of follow them and say, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. These guys are really prepubescence. You know, they're 30-year-old guys who haven't grown up yet. It, it well, never sort of know, takes that approach. But how did you feel about it? You know what that kind of reminds me of? You remember American Movie? Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. shit. Long time yeah. since I've seen it. But yeah, 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 I do. Right, right. Like, that was that same kind of thing where, but but at times it felt like they were, they were totally poking fun at those guys who wanted to make that movie. But, right. but it was like, it was like, you know, it was like this sort of heartwarming underdog, like, oh, Oh, these guys totally should have a shot, you know. But it, but at the same time, you know that like what they're doing is is just dumb, you know. So it felt it felt kind of like that to me, mm-hmm. in that they weren't, you know, they were they were just letting it reveal itself, reveal its own silliness without directly having to say like, isn't this dumb, you know? But I mean, right. they, they sort of go in and out between footage of the the, the finals or, or them walking around town and. And interviews, where, like you know, they take them apart in, in, into a separate room, a la Master Chef or something like that. And and, uh, <laughs> uh, and and like there's there's moments where you know they're saying where um, any of the competitors are, are saying uh, things like, oh well, you know, I'm having a bit of fun with this. And then there are moments where they change persona. Dan Crane becomes Bjorn to Rock, and he's saying, oh man, I can't believe I didn't get. I didn't win that final. I'm going to have to find a way to get myself to uh, Los Angeles and show them what I've got because I know I'm the best at this. And and I'm thinking you're claiming that you're the best at that. You're, you're the best at pretending to do something that other people have taken. It's almost like those people people that are schizophrenic, you know, or you know, they, somebody who suffers from a head injury or something, and suddenly they think they're a nuclear physicist, right? And everyone's just like, you know, you either, you either indulge them to a point or you just say, listen, dude, <laughs> we, we, we got to talk. <laughs> what? certain points during the film where I kind of thought, now, hang on, take a step back here. Is this actually documentary or are they actually acting a little bit here? Because, I mean, it's no secret that C. Diddy is actually an actor and comedian. Right. Um, and, and just some of the stuff seemed a little too, uh, I don't know, not, not studied, but 
It just on some of nose. it didn't feel genuine to me. Yeah, some of right. it felt like you know the director was saying, "Well, let's right. let's do this here, let's push this," and right. it kind of felt like some of the people, particularly Bjorn to Rock and C Diddy, were kind of in on it, and perhaps it was you know it wasn't as genuine right. as perhaps it was making itself out to be. I mean, I, I don't no, know. No. That's just the impression I got. It, I don't yeah, know what you guys think. Uh, no, look, you know, in hindsight, that sort of makes sense. I'm even wondering if some of those filmed interviews took place after the action had actually Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And even the crowd, even the crowd, because, I mean, it's like, you know, when C. Diddy comes on after Bjorn in L.A., then, you know, or, or what was, not Bjorn, but uh, I forget who, who uh, he comes on after, and then the crowd starts booing him. Because it's like you know you're an East Coast guy, man. This is the West Coast, dude. You know, yeah. And then they and then they start booming him, and by the end, like within three seconds, the crowd's kissing his ass. You know, and it's just like, like that, like instantly, he just wins them over like nothing. You know, and reality. You think it was edited like reality TV shows? You think that like maybe there was a little uh, crafty maneuvering behind the scenes to make I don't this? Know if it was, I don't know if it was just the editing. I think you know some of the people were in on the joke as well some of them were right. acting a little bit some of it was not scripted as such but uh, I don't know some of it just didn't feel genuine it, it I mean that whole, when, when they get to yeah when, when they get to Finland for example and there's that like big mansion where they're they're giving lectures on how to uh, <laughs> you know what I mean like, on, on how to yeah, and how to look after your guitar and stuff and it's like right and groupies and all that with, shit yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I spent I spent the uh, the whole film wondering. Hang on, uh, is this a, a genuine sort of loving documentary of a bunch of eccentrics, or is Nigel Tufnell going to come out any second now? <laughs> right. I would, well, you surprised. know, I, I was going to say one thing is that uh, what it, what is it with air guitar about the compulsion to just run around and just have it have yourself an epileptic seizure? Because you know, it's like. Uh, I mean, Robert Robert Fripp was a, as a guitarist. You know, I mean, uh, Mark Knopfler is a guitarist. Billy Zoom is a guitarist. I want to see the air guitar of Billy Zoom. You know, the guy just standing there smiling, <laughs> just just playing guitar. You know, what I, mean? I, I don't need to see the guy doing backflips off a fucking wheelchair. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't need <laughs> I don't need to see that. I want to see the guy. I want to see his technique. You know, it's like if you think you know how to play guitar, then show me that. You know, you're you know, uh, you could pass if somebody was to put a guitar in your hand, that it would look like you were actually playing that thing instead of like I was saying earlier, filleting a chicken. You know, it's right. like yeah. right. Okay, well, dude, I got to say though, Tim, if you went to see King Crimson and Robert Fripp started doing backflips off a wheelchair whilst he was playing, you'd be you <laughs> jaw would be hanging on the floor, man. It would be sure. It, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'm just. Very quickly, I've got the um, I got the DVD here, and on the uh, inside cover, there's a, uh, the actual list of the official rules and the judging criteria for the competition. I just want to read from the judging criteria, which they do actually sort of um, mention in the film, but I'll read it out quickly for the uh, listener's benefit. Uh, it says, The performances are scored with the figure skating scoring method, i.e. the judges give points on a scale from 4 to 6, or 4.0 to 6.0. Uh, the scores from the judges are added together and the person with the most points wins. The score reflects the quality of the performance based on key criteria. 1. Originality. 2. The ability to be taken over by the music. 3. Stage charisma. 4. Technique. 5. Artistic impression. 6. Airness. Airness is defined as the extent to which a performance transcends the imitation of a real guitar and becomes an art form in and of itself. All right, so Tim, really, effectively, the technique of which you talk about, as opposed to deflating a chicken, is really only one-sixth of what they're judging. So it doesn't matter if they look like they're filleting a chicken. If that's if that's their shtick, then they're fine with that. And evidently, you know, because like C. Diddy, did look like it, and, and really, Bjorn to rock, as far as air guitarists go, looked like he was playing a guitar. And, and because he's a real musician. Uh, right, correct. Yeah, 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 that's right. And uh, I think he was rock. Just thought I'd, um, I'd throw that out there. C. Diddy all the way, man. Spoilers! C. Diddy wins. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I, I warned I was going to give like a one-minute thing. All right, look, uh, never mind. But um, Good night, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> but see, well, it's interesting that now that you've spoiled that, now, now that we know the C Diddy wins, it's, it's, it makes sense of what you're saying because Bjorn can obviously play guitar. He's a musician and he's, as far as realistic air guitaring goes, 
he, he was better than C Diddy, but C Diddy was a showman. It was a performance, and it was. You oh, you don't think Beyond to Rock was, was a, as good a show? I, I definitely thought. That the no, only I think C Diddy was much better. I think C Diddy he won C. any show. Diddy had a costume. <laughs> well, and so did Beyond to Rock with his stupid little bloody op art. <laughs> bloody black and white shirt and his tie and his little blazer and his hipster fucking bell bombs. Yes, but, but, but he went and wrote Make Air Not War on his chest. Bernie, he wrote he wrote a slogan on his chest. That's got to count for something. Shaved into his chest hair. Oh, sorry? C. Diddy. C. Diddy was a regular Law and Order Special Victims Unit. <laughs> David Young was on several episodes of Special Victims Unit. Really? Now, can you say that? Like, you want to rock? Um, well, here's the thing, man. Same. I mean, what was that line? What was the line that I loved it that Bjorn had at the beginning? To to air is human. To air guitar, to air guitar is fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. That was great. That was great. You know, hey, can I go off on a on a, a side tangent thing here? So. I take, like, occasionally I'll take, like, a hip-hop dance class at the gym, you know? Like, I'll do that once a week. And every so often we'll do, like, a quote-unquote rock song, you know? Like, we'll do whatever fucking uh, Maroon 5 or whatever passes for rock. And they always integrate, like, the stupid guitar moves. And I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, I'll adamantly, like, I'll, I'll, I will not, I will not make fake guitar moves while I'm dancing around at the gym. I'm not doing it. Right. You need to do Zumba instead, Wendy. <laughs> I fucking hate Zumba. <laughs> See, why am I not surprised? This is the thing, too, is that when you know when Pete Townsend originated with the whole windmill, he what he should have done was he should have stabbed himself in the stomach with a knife at the same time while he was doing a windmill and said that the only time you can ever do a windmill with a guitar, you have to stab yourself in the stomach with a knife, right? So that way it would have prevented an entire planet from doing from ripping off Pete Townsend's windmill, right? It's like he does it once, it's painful. The only way you're going to do it again, make it painful, right? Yeah. Like, you know, because so many people are just doing the windmill. Like, that's... And strangely, none of them in this competition. I was thinking of one other guitar player who they um didn't try to emulate, regardless of whether they did it wrong with their hands up the chicken fellatio end or something like that. that uh, no one did a Hank Marvin. What is it with kids nowadays? Oh, yeah. Because at least, you see, there's the thing. You've got the... You yeah. got the Choreography. I mean, really, yeah. these, these, none of these guys, there's, there's no clever foot technique. There's no clever no, no. hand technique. There's no Chuck Berry. No, there's no, no Dr. There's... Yep. No Dr. Feelgood, you know? No, no. No, exactly. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. I'm calling this yeah. competition out. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say, I, I, I approached this film, I'll be honest, I didn't expect to enjoy it because, I've, I've, again, I'm, I'm going to probably upset some people now, but the, the whole concept of our guitar to me. Even though, you know, I've got my air guitar song and so on, it's stupid. It's pre-professional yeah, exactly. in their bedrooms. Yeah, exactly. And the kind of people you see in this doing air guitar are the kind of people you would talk to for 30 seconds at a party and then you would just move to the other side of the room and avoid eye contact mm -hmm. with them. Now, we've just got a lost half-hour audience, you know that. They're doofuses. You know, you, and, you know, you know who I felt really embarrassed for? And he's a good sport to do it, but I really felt embarrassed for Tom Morello. Oh, what man, was he that, getting there? Yeah, he was—he was one of the judges. But you know what? Who I—who I was worried about because uh, I'd forgotten that Tom Morello was in it. But Brian May goes and sends words. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about—I'm not a Queen fan per se, but you know Brian May is a brilliant technical player. And well, there's it a, just seems there's it, a, it, it was a real spinal tap moment. Where right. one of the you know, the greatest technical rock guitar players is giving words of congratulations and encouragement to the greatest people who, in their own minds, who pretend to do what they could not do what he does in a million years. Right. But it's all surely it's all a big joke though. Surely he's doing that and he's thinking, yeah, this is all really stupid. I'm going to do this because it's a real laugh. Right. They're just putting a whole whack of money in a briefcase and he's going to walk away with well, it and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Surely, like, yeah. I see. I was. I wasn't surprised to see uh, what was her face from Veruca Salt there. Right. Because, uh, obviously, she hadn't been doing anything since right. the uh, the early nineties. <laughs> she probably got <laughs> the phone call, and it was like, yeah, shit, yeah, I'd be really happy to do that. Yeah. Here's one bone so, of contention. Surprise.
one bone of contention that I have that kind of kind of always bugged me like about this film was that they get they get them to play Ace of Spades, right? But it's like you know everybody's always thinking, oh Ace of Spades, let me. And it's like no, it was Fast Eddie Clark, you know, like exactly. and, and a lot of people they don't who it's like forget it, you know, like I mean. It's not a bass song, it's a guitar song, and it was not played by Lemmy, you know, like, that's it. But I just, I think it's funny, like, how so many people play air guitar to Ace of Spades, but they just don't have any idea who the guy was who played it, you know? Totally, yeah. I was going to say, well, despite the fact that I think that, the you know, the whole concept of air guitar and even having championships for it is just you know it's, it's silly it's stupid it's not the kind of thing I, I would really be interested in I gotta say there was a point in this film where I kind of I relented and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys I did actually enjoy the film and there were some actually there's some pretty uh, I don't know you couldn't help but warm to see Diddy for example I thought he was actually quite a nice guy and he seemed fairly genuine and there was a point as well I thought um, Bjorn Tarot was a dick up until a point and then <laughs> Towards the end, when he's you know he's kind of beaten again, he's quite magnanimous in his defeat and so on. Um, and I kind of warm towards him a bit as well. But to be honest so, with you, uh, if, if he hadn't uh, persisted, I don't think we'd have had half as interesting a story. And, yeah. and okay, so look, uh, you know, once again, okay, we've already gone and done the spoiler that you know C Diddy wins. But uh, one thing that I liked about the film was, even though I guess I always had this suspicion that uh, C. Diddy was going to win, but the, the, the filmmaker sort of crafted it cleverly. So, because there's, um, C. Diddy goes and loses a couple of uh, qualifying finals. He sends himself off, he pays off his own back or with sponsorship to go to the West Coast and then to go to Finland and compete, I think, as a No, that's, that's Bjorn, not C. Diddy. Oh, sorry, sorry, Bjorn, uh, sorry I meant Bjorn. Yeah. Sorry, I meant, I meant Bjorn. Yeah. Go, pay, yeah. Pays his own way to, to Finland and then he wins a qualifying final and gets an almost perfect score i think what was it like 17.9 and you think yeah, yeah. oh it's going to be a competition okay and it's it's paced really well in that way i mean that exactly i guess, yeah, I guess yeah. it, that almost sort of brings back what you'd said before about was this staged because that is like something out of a, a out of a sports film out of an american sports film well, really that exactly. they throw this I mean, isn't that the nature like take a movie for example like this full of quarters you know, like, isn't that sort of the nature of, like, uh, all these sort of competition movies is that they have to do something to set up this rivalry? They have to do something to make it so this final... Like, it doesn't matter, you know, they they will edit it, they will maneuver it, like, however they have to, to give it that extra drama. It, it makes you think you have it, it's have... not genuine, because it, it, there's got to be some yeah. manipulation there to create that kind of tension, right. because real life, and you know, nine times out of ten, that's not going to happen that way. So, mm-hmm. So the question is, you know, once again, do we come back and think that they were all in on it and this has all been staged? Or, or it just the luck of the draw came out and, you know, the director was, you know, uh, thanking his lucky stars, thinking, oh, wow, I can actually make this look like a conventional competition type of film. I've got a little bit of suspense here. No one's going to actually know till the end as to who really won. It's not a one-horse race. Well, I think it's interesting as well that the director, since she made this, most of her career has been uh, producing reality TV shows. Right. Well, oh, that, that comes as no surprise so because I was watching this. Doesn't it? Yeah. I, I was watching this and think this looks like an episode of MasterChef, except you know something a bit more interesting. But but it, you know the the bit of uh, live footage, the going off into the other room and speaking to the competitor. But yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm now convinced that a lot of that discussion was done after the fact. I mean, all this competition took place in 2003 and the film didn't come out till 2006, so... Yeah, mm. right. Yeah, a, a, bit film like, a film like that, we're not talking about a, uh, a film with lots of CGI and special effects. This film should have been filmed, edited quickly, and just, even if it's going direct-to-video, should have gone straight out in 2004 at the latest, so... Well, so it should have blown a CG budget put guitars in their hands. <laughs> <laughs> That made an entirely different movie. I think that would have been very funny. <laughs> it would. And, you know, one thing, too, was, like, we mentioned, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but, uh, you know, in, in L.A., there's that dude that comes out in the wheelchair. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and initially, I thought, okay, this is cool, man, because, you know, like, you know, you know they're, they're going to basically, you know, 
put the competition up to everybody. And then, and then the guy actually goes and, uh, totally destroys everything by standing up. It's like suddenly, you know, I'm cured of my polio. <laughs> I can walk, you know, like, and he gets up. I'm like, you, you motherfucker, you know, like, God. Man. And, then, and then it's he almost like. It just, it just goes to show it's about theater, you know, it's not. Uh, right. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say was, was that, you know, I think it's funny because this might sound like it's a stretch, but I don't think it is that uh, you can kind of put air guitar in the same field as you put professional wrestling, I think, because it's this idea that, you know, it's, it's, it's fake. Well, it's, <laughs> not, it's, it's, it's just not that, but it's it's about how well how well you can portray what you're doing. Right. Exactly. How, how well you, you can yeah, sell yeah. it, how well you can yeah. sell it. Right. And that's totally, what it's all yeah. about. And I think that's where this kind of falls down to professional wrestling, because it's like, you know, like my like my granddad used to say, oh, it's a couple guys jumping around in their underwear in the ring. Like, what the hell? You know, but it, but I mean, if you really look at it beyond just initially w what it is, then you can really start to understand that. Yeah, it can be an art form. Yeah, it can be interpreted any which way you want to look at it. But you know, there's more to it than just, you know, some guy just standing there with a broomstick in his hand, you know, or whatever. Yeah. As a film, would this uh, be a recommend for you uh, for the for the uh, listening sure. audience? Sure, I, I yeah, definitely I, go. I definitely go along with that. Yep, uh, Bernie, you um, sounds like you enjoy. Yeah, it. no, absolutely. As I say, I, I was kind of determined not to like it in a way because I'm quite a contrary bastard, as you all know. I do, but uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it won me over. And as a film, the way it's structured, the way it's paced. Uh, it tells a story, it works quite well, and I gotta admit, I did quite enjoy it. Yeah, I'd recommend it. Wendy? Yeah, if nothing else is on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's light, it's fun. If you don't want to offend anybody, yeah. sure, that'd be great. <laughs> well, except for except for the uh, the prudes who don't like the idea of seeing a um, an air guitarist actually sort of uh, cheating by not playing the air and playing his, his uh, Johnny Watt instead. Now you keep going on about this, Morris, but that scene was like what, like three seconds at most. What's your point? What's your point? Maybe he's the extended version, like he's got director's cut, where it's like twenty minutes of that. Version. Yeah, that's right. The extended. <laughs> hey, listen, you're that's the man who's called Stickwell. I don't know. What <laughs> I can't help. That's the name my mother gave me. I can't help. <laughs> oh dear. All right, so uh, I think that concludes our um, discussion of uh, Air Guitar Nation, a fine piece of cinema, as uh, recommended by three and a half out of four Seherians. Uh, so any housekeeping business, if you want to um, make some contact with us, you can join the Facebook group. Uh, just look for C here, that's S-E-E-H-E-A-R. Uh, uh, so yeah, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash C here. Uh, you can contact us by email, seeherepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, it's been wonderful for all four of us to be reunited. I'm sorry I wasn't there for uh, the last show for 2014, but uh, it was great to uh, listen to you guys talk about Ginger Baker. And um, here we are, all four of us. So uh, next month, we'll be back again together. Please uh, get in contact with us with uh, film suggestions. Or if uh, any of you out there would like to join us for an episode, we're very friendly people. We'd love to have you join us. If there's a film you think you'd like to talk about with us, we're, we're, we're open. We're, we're good people. All right. I think that's it. Okay. Uh, ladies and gents, thanks for the discussion today. It was most enjoyable. We'll be back next month. All the best. Cheers. Yay. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.